Well, good morning. It is great to be with you this morning. Danina and I were with you all. It's been some years ago and did a a Sunday where we talked about marriage, and then we also spent some time over that weekend with some of the couples here. I'm from Pampa. We're from Pampa. Danina's not really from Pampa, but I moved her to Pampa uh, many, many, many years ago so we could raise our kids in Texas. She's from Colorado, and she lives in a much prettier place than we do. Um, but we, God led us here to uh, raise our kids and, and, and live for the kingdom. And that's what we do. So uh, I did want to just congratulate Les and Melanie also for their grandson. Danina and I just had a granddaughter born our first on December 5th. And we are extremely excited about that. As a matter of fact, after the service, if you would like, I have a whole lot of pictures on my phone that I would like to show you. If you would uh, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's really important if you have a Bible or if you have the access to a Bible on your phone, whatever method you read from, but for you to see the passage that I'm going to go through today because so much of it is going to be something I'm going to encourage you to go back to later today and think about and read through. I'm going to read the verses beginning in verse 16 at the end of chapter 4 and read through verse 18. There Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for just the privilege to be with fellow believers today, to be able to to, to look at your word, your precious word. Thank you, Spirit, for indwelling us, each of us individually, and then being present with us as your body, the church, the people of God. We, We need you. The words that I say must come from you. The words that are received must be received because of your work in the hearts of your people. Lord, let us us not move away from today without being moved and uh, prompted and encouraged by the fact that you are Lord of the universe. Nothing's happening in our world that is not without your direction and understanding, and permission, and movement. Let us be encouraged today as we would, as, as we would hear from you and what you have to say to us as your people. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So you notice in verse 16, if you will, that I read there is, he writes this and he says, so that you do not lose heart. 
It's a phrase Paul repeats from what he began to say in chapter four, verse one, in the very beginning here, he says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. The title of today's message is, we do not lose heart. The apostle Paul was a man who was afflicted and he could have lost heart, but he did not lose heart. I don't think this happened all at once for Paul, that he had the ability to not lose heart. Paul's well into his ministry here. He's been on, uh, he was saved, as you know, on the road to Damascus. He was, he was taught by the Lord himself for perhaps as many as 14 years. And then as he entered into his ministry, he went through many, many things. He's well into his life as a believer. He didn't, he didn't learn this all at once. It was something that God had intentionally formed in him. Many years, much experience had passed over that time. And I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. Some of you are in the beginning. Some of you are well into the many years as walking with the Lord. But I want you to think about this urging from the Apostle Paul. And that brothers and sisters, we can be a people who are severely afflicted and not lose heart. We can become a people who are severely afflicted and not lose heart. But we need to have a little bit of what Paul had and a little bit of perspective on what it means to be afflicted and what it takes to not lose heart. Now the word afflicted here is used in this passage And it speaks of intense pressure from every side such that it crowds against us. Intense pressure such that it crowds against us. And then it continues to keep coming where it feels as if the weight of it might crush us. In other words, it feels like the kind of trouble that is difficult and distressing where we feel trapped. Have you ever felt this way? Some of you feel this way right now. Most of you feel this way to varying degrees in certain areas of your life. And it's the reason we often try to avoid things is because we feel this kind of pressure. And if you aren't feeling this way, you will. you know what it's like to be afflicted and you know what it's like to lose heart. And what does it mean to lose heart? Or as Paul talks about himself and his companions to not lose heart. The picture of losing heart is when a person becomes discouraged and defeated and deflated where they lose their motivation and the drive to keep living well. That that we don't just go through the motions of life, but that it affects us in such a way where we might want to just go through the motions. It's like when the physical heart is not functioning at full capacity, it affects everything in the body, the blood flow, the breathing, the oxygen levels, the mind function, the energy level, the blood sugars levels, 
and so forth and so on. A physical heart that has lost capacity leads to all kinds of health problems. Obviously, a physical heart that stops results in death. The heart in Scripture is the center of our internal world. It's a reason, there's a reason why God chooses this word to explain to us the life that comes from within. It's the command center where God meets us in our spirit. The Holy Spirit meets us in our spirit and communicates to our thoughts, our feelings, our desires, our choices that then result in actions. The heart is deeper than feelings, I must add. I don't want you to confuse the common rendering the heart is only feeling. When a person says in today that you should follow your heart or trust your heart, they're speaking of feelings in a shallow, spiritually unengaged kind of way. So let me just say the heart is more than feelings. It is deep and it's very important. Proverbs 4.23 commands us to keep our heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Unfortunately, many people don't settle down into the realm of what is going on in the heart. There's a reason sometimes people stay very busy. There's a reason sometimes why people are addicted to certain things to numb the heart. There's a reason why sometimes we don't have conversations that we need to have because it's difficult to settle down into the place of the heart. Our counseling practice and our speaking work, Redeemed Hearts Ministries, exist to help the believers who make up the church understand how to settle into and live from the place where God meets us as believers who are the church where God meets us, which is our redeemed hearts. And it's important to God that we live well from our hearts. He talks about the heart a lot throughout the scriptures. In Luke 18, Jesus tells his disciples about a woman who was relentless in her pursuit of justice. If you know that parable of the woman who went to the judge and she badgered him and badgered him and badgered him for justice. And the judge relented because, not because he was a good man, as it said, but because she continued to come at him. And Jesus said, this parable I give to you so that you pray as this woman pursued the judge and not lose in Galatians 6, Paul urges us to not grow weary in doing good for one another, that in due time we will reap the benefits of doing good if we do not lose heart. It's very important to God that we grow and we mature, brothers and sisters, so that we do not lose heart. but it's so very easy to lose heart. To become discouraged, to feel trapped and deflated, lacking in motivation to live well. 
What is it in your life right now that you're avoiding? It's likely an area where you've lost heart. What is it that you, or where is it that you feel trapped? You're likely struggling to not lose heart. Where do you feel overwhelmed or angry or shut down or depressed or anxious or discouraged? In all of these places, what is going on in your heart matters. You matter. God knows your heart. He values your heart. It matters. In all of these places, what is going on in our hearts matters. And I would say, how about current losses where sorrow is your constant companion? Losing heart is always around the corner. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world you will have trouble. Jesus knows that we have never-ending struggles with sin, with people who sin, with health issues, with a dreaded diagnosis, with the process of being treated in health issues, with work stress, with financial issues, with parenting concerns, with managing households and schedules. And he knows that we do all of these things as believers in a world that does not know God or does not want to love or obey God. And yet he says, in the world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So far, I've given us some understanding of what it means to be afflicted and what it means to not lose heart. And in the remainder of our time, I want to look at these verses to see if we can get a glimpse of what Paul had that he did not lose heart. Most of you know that Paul had much affliction. The last half of Acts talks about the life of Paul and the journeys of Paul. And if you go back and you read through that, maybe you could do that this week if you haven't read it in a while and you see Paul on his many journeys, pay special attention to the things that he endured and he went through. Paul was told when he was saved that God was going to show him how much he must suffer for God's sake. And I want to make a quick comment about that, that God always uses suffering in the lives of believers, in the lives of the people of the church to form the church and to form what he is doing into the people to be the church. In Paul's case, as you'll read through Acts, you'll see that he struggles in city after city throughout modern-day Turkey and into Greece and into Rome and into Europe. Paul knew affliction. He talks about it later in this letter of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He describes his life. I want to read just a little bit of what he says there, that his life was full of ongoing, intense labor. Many imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. 
He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. That was the most extreme form of a beating you could get before a person would die. He said, five times I had that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I I highly doubt that any of us have had the kind of experience that Paul had in his life. Paul knew affliction. If anyone had reason to lose heart, it was Paul. So what can we learn here about how Paul and his companions did not lose heart? And I'm going to keep this brief as I can keep it brief. And I'm only going to highlight three areas from this context of this passage. The first one is we must be clear on what is happening to the outer man. The second is we must be clear on God's powerful work in the inner man. And the third is we must comprehend that our ultimate life is in the eternal weight of glory. So the first one, we must be clear on what is happening to the outer man. In verse 16, Paul says, our outer self is wasting away. So the outer self is the non-spiritual part of us. It certainly includes the physical part of us which is the flesh, but it can also include our thoughts and feelings and choices if they're not in step with the Spirit of God. Paul, in this context, describes our outer man as clay pots. And he uses the term, they're jars of clay in verse 7. You can go back up in verse um, 7 and see that. He In that day, clay pots, jars of clay, were containers that were used to hold many things. If you think back in that day, if you kind of put yourself there, you realize that that they, in, in order to carry things around, they had to have something to do that. And so the way they did that was to take the mud and bake the mud and form these clay pots. And how they did that probably improved over time. But needless to say, it isn't like we have today, right? Where we mass manufacture all kinds of things. No, it was a a simple, fairly tedious process. So he's using this clay pot illustration to describe something that carries something else. And he says, we have this treasure in clay pots. Now they would use it to carry things of value, food water, things we take for granted, okay? They wouldn't have taken it for granted. Food, water, scrolls, coins. And while these things were essential to be carried, 
The thing that carried them was very fragile. Again, a clay pot. And if the pot was made too thick, then it couldn't be moved, so it couldn't be made too thick. The walls had to be a certain dimension in order for them to be able to carry. And so if they were moved, they could be mishandled and even broken. And very often, they would crack over time. They were not permanent. And so he says in verse 7, I mentioned this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And the treasure he's referring to here comes from the previous verses where he says that God has shown in our hearts the knowledge of the glory of God. And Paul is referring here to the Spirit and to this work that the Spirit does within us. That is his treasure. The Spirit who manifests Christ in us. Paul makes mention in this in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. There'll be more on the Spirit in a few minutes. For now, I want you to think about the fact that our physical body, which includes the brain, where we think, and the amygdala. Quick, quick question. If you've heard of the term amygdala, would you raise your hand? Okay, that's pretty good. So the amygdala is in our brain, and it's the feeling center. It's where the signals are sent that give us feelings throughout our body. And so it's a part of our physical body. But I'm saying here is that the outer man includes the body and it includes the thinkings and feelings. And what does he say here? The outer man is wasting away. He's saying we are jars of clay. We're fragile with lots of cracks in us. Now, I don't know how you take that, but I actually take that as good news because I feel that way as I get older in life. If you're under a certain age, you might think the mind and the body are only getting better. But all of us know as we get older that we're in decline. We experience this process toward death every day, as promised in the scriptures by God. The lie of this world is that it somehow can be reversed or even in some cases stopped. Think about the energy and money that is spent on trying to be more healthy, trying to feel emotionally better, trying to look better by the way we dress or wear makeup or prevent hair loss. Think about the efforts to keep cars running or computers running or home standing or crops growing and on and on. Of course, we try to do that in all of these things and we should It's part of God's mandate that we subdue and rule the earth. And in order to subdue and rule the earth, we need healthy bodies and healthy minds and healthy emotions. We we don't want to feel bad. We don't want to look bad. But in our trying, we should all agree that everything about us and our world is in decline. Why is there such an effort by the world to push us towards the preservation of something that is in the process of decline. And we can agree that we should do everything we can 
so that we can be better in this world for Christ. But we can't stop the decline. We must be clear on what is happening to the outer man. My second point, we must be clear on God's powerful work in the inner man. Back to verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now we're talking about Paul and his companions here. They're at a different level than many of us, perhaps all of us. And again, this happened over a period of time. Some of you are finding that your inner self is renewed day by day, but many of you aren't. And you can grow in this area. There might be a few in here that don't know Christ and you don't have the Spirit in you, so I want to say it's impossible for you to be renewed day by day. Let's go back to the image of the treasure within the clay pots. This inner renewal is the Spirit and the work of the Spirit. It is Christ in us. We who are believers in all the work that he's doing, And the work the Spirit does always has to do with the Scripture. As the author of Scripture, as Peter says in 2 Peter, and Paul is adamant here in the previous context, if you'll look at verse 2, that he and his companions don't mess around with the Scriptures. Look at there. As he says, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. That is the work of the Spirit in our hearts as he uses his scripture. But it must include the Spirit and the scripture. The Spirit is at work through His Word to affect our consciences, He says. This is our thoughts and our feelings. And this is where renewal takes place. And it requires that the Spirit gives us certain things. And if you're discouraged today, if you're deflated today, if you're fighting to not lose heart, you need this work of the Spirit within you to work with your thoughts and how you think about things and your feelings that are closely associated with your thoughts that affect your choices that have an impact on the desires that you have. This is the work of the Spirit inside of you that we all desperately need because this is where the renewal takes place in the place of the heart. And when it requires that the Spirit gives us heavy doses of what? Grace. All of us need to know as believers that we live in God's grace. We don't deserve what God gives to us in spouses, in children, in homes, in uh, peace, in contentment, in joy, in love. Those are all 
works of grace towards us in more than, than I even named here. The Spirit gives us heavy doses of grace. The Spirit gives us God's love. The Spirit shows us God's forgiveness and, and impacts that when we feel that in, in our own hearts. The Spirit is the one who makes our, gives us the ability to be clear on anything that we're clear on. The Spirit is always with us. It says in Romans, he intercedes for us. He never gives up on us. The Spirit hates sin. And yet, he convicts us of our sin and he forgives, that that God forgives us when we confess our sins. It's the Spirit who gives us a peace that is deeper than our anxiety and deeper than our depression. It's the Spirit who gives us hope that this life has meaning and on and on and on. This, Paul is committed to, is the treasure that he's talking about of this work within our hearts. The Spirit is always quietly and humbly working teaching us, comforting us, convicting us, leading us. And if, as Paul says, we quench him or we grieve him, he doesn't leave us, but he doesn't help us. This work of the Spirit is a slow work because we're sinners. And it's a slow work because the Spirit is patient. That's why some people mature fairly quickly and then maybe slow for a while and then faster. And some people don't mature very quickly at all. The Spirit is very patient. But it's this work of the Spirit that is what renews us day by day. And Paul and his companions engage or engage with the Lord in this renewal work because they had made Jesus and his kingdom their highest priority. And if you you may have made Jesus and his kingdom your highest priority, or you may not. But if you want to be renewed internally day by day, Jesus must be your highest priority. So far, I've spoken to you as an individual, but I want to broaden that here because When Paul writes, he's never speaking just to the individual. He's speaking to the whole body of believers. So within a room like this, I'm assuming there's the majority of folks in here have the Holy Spirit in you. You're a believer. And so this is a a word for not just you individually, but a word for you collectively. It's not just happening in you. It's, it's happening or it's to be happening in the people around you who are believers. All of us in one way or another are being challenged to deal with our own hearts. But the Spirit will also challenge us to be encouragers and helpers of the other hearts within the room. 
And that's not difficult for the Spirit. It might be difficult for us because sometimes we feel like, I I can barely keep up with my own life. How am I going to help someone else? Or I think, I don't have the ability to deal with the kind of problems that person has. How could I ever do that? And I will say to you, you can't. People think, because I'm a professional counselor of 25 years, that somehow— I have this magic knowledge or somehow I have this incredible ability to deal with some very, very, very difficult problems. Well, I'll let you in on a secret. (laughs) I don't. Now, what I do have is a lot of time and experience and a certain amount of education and reading fairly broadly That helps a lot. I have a wonderful wife who does the same thing as me, and we are able to kind of encourage and work together as we understand things. We were trained by some really, really gifted, godly men and women. But the power in being able to help somebody is the work of the Spirit, and you have the work of the Spirit in you. So, The reason I'm emphasizing this is that this strengthening of Paul's inner man wasn't just for the individual, it's for the whole body, and it takes the whole body to be strengthened in this way. As he says in verses 12 through 15, he says about he and his companions, he says, death is at work in us. And what he's saying is he's saying, we're dying. We're about to, we're falling apart. We're barely keeping up here. Death is at work in us, but then he says, but life in you because of this work of the Spirit through us. And then he says, since we have the same Spirit of faith according to what has been written, he says, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is for your sake so that grace extends to more and more people and it may increase our thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul did not let his pain, his struggle, his mistakes, his suffering stop him from giving to others. It was because of God's using these things in his own life that he could give to others. And in the same way with each one of you, because of your struggle and pain and difficulty, you are intended by God to help others. Danina and I are going to come back later this year. Les and I talked about us doing this, if I can come back after today. And we want to spend a little time with you all to talk to you about how God has made you to help one another no matter the challenging situation. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is our head. His spirit is within us. And he's constantly renewing us for the sake of what he's doing among us. And then as, before I move to the final point, which will go fairly quickly, I want to just make one more thing about this renewal inside of us. I, I alluded to this a minute ago. So I want to speak of those who you do not have the treasure of the Spirit within you. And maybe there's nobody in this room. Man, if not, you know somebody like this. And 
Paul says that if you are in this room, you are currently blinded. In verse three, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If this is you, you do not have the resources within you to be renewed in your inner man. You must understand that you are a sinner and you need to be saved. You must believe on Jesus as your savior for the forgiveness of your sin and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you do, and I beg you, please do, you will begin a journey of internal strengthening that will allow you to know this experience of Paul and to not lose heart. I would also just add, if you're unsure of your salvation, Philippians 3 tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And if you know you're not saved, if you know that you are still separate from God and going your own way, talk to somebody. Talk to a fellow believer. Talk to one of the elders. Talk to uh, a, a believer who would like to introduce you to this life in Christ. So for all of us, Paul gives encouragement of how he and his companions did not lose heart by giving us a contrast here in these verses to what was happening in them. And so this is what we, this is what we look forward to as we grow in this. You'll see there he says that they were afflicted, but they were not crushed. He says they were perplexed, which means they were at loss and uncertain with serious anxiety, but they were not driven to despair. And notice here, they still had struggle. They still had problems. They still had difficulty. They didn't have it together. He says they were persecuted, which means they had been pursued by those against them to the point of being driven out of the area. I've already spoken to this from the letter of Acts. But even in their persecution, he says, they were not forsaken. Jesus says in Hebrews 12, five and six, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And then finally, he says they were struck down, which means they had been hit with such force so as to be knocked down. And this can be taken literally or figuratively. But he goes on to say, even at that, they were not destroyed. There's a progression here for Paul and his companions of the kinds of sufferings that we Christians endure. From the mental and emotional to some who are persecuted to some who are bodily harmed. Paul had all of these. Brothers and sisters, you may only have had one of these or some of these. But I tell you from the word of God, who is intent on renewing you day by day in your inner man, if called upon, you could endure the extreme things that Paul did and still not lose heart. It means basically saying there's nothing that we as believers cannot endure with the spirit within us, maturing us, strengthening us, that we can do so and not lose heart. The final thing we learned from Paul about not losing the heart is 
that we must be convinced that our ultimate life is in the eternal weight of glory. Because of time, I want to just read verses 17, 18, and then offer a few brief words here. So look at verse 17. He says, for this light, momentary affliction. And think about Paul saying that, light, momentary. This light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And if later today you read this and then go on into chapter five, and you'll see that Paul is talking in chapter five about heaven, a place that he longs to be. And I like what Michael said as he talked to us this morning about that we don't just think of heaven as the place, but we think about Jesus who is in heaven. Paul always had that mindset. We are, it is important that we are a people who constantly live with an eternal perspective and we think about being, Jesus, being with Jesus and our loved ones who are there with him. As I get older, I appreciate that more and more. My dad died a few years ago. Denise's mom has passed away. We miss them. We want to see them. We want to see Jesus and those who've gone on before us. But we must think with an eternal perspective. We must, we must remind ourselves that there is something yet ahead of us. And if we don't, then what we will do is we will focus on the outward man and the things that we can see and feel and taste and hold on to in this life. Paul plainly says that these things are transient, which refers to a fleeting, hard to hold on to short period of time. And you all know this, brothers and sisters. You know that nothing that we try to grasp hold of that we can see lasts for very long. He calls here our affliction in this life light and momentary in comparison to the heaven that awaits us and the heaviness, the weight of the glory of what awaits us. And this does not lessen the tremendous hardship of what you may now be enduring. It does not lessen it because some of you are enduring or you have endured or you will endure extremely difficult things. It does not lessen that, but instead speaks of the glory and the incomprehensible joy that one day we will experience that will be beyond all comparison. It actually makes that be that much greater. To the degree your pain and difficulty are now, think about this, will be even more so how great the experience of heaven will be. So as I close, I want to leave you with the image that he's portrayed here, the image of the clay pot that has been worn and used over time. The pot has developed cracks. You may have a pot like this. In the time of Paul and even today, the cracks were filled with a type of putty so they could be preserved as best they could. And that the, the, the putty wasn't as thick as the clay. And so if that happened, there was a light. If 
there was a light inside that could be seen through the, the cracks and the thin putty that hold it together. As time goes, that light, if it had an infinite source of energy and the cracks got bigger and bigger, the light would what? Get brighter and brighter. Brothers and sisters, you are the clay pot. As your life goes on, the cracks increase, they get larger, and they must be continually filled. But the spirit who is at work in your heart, which is inside the hot, in, inside the pot, the spirit and your redeemed heart is showing more and more until one day, one day, the pot completely wears out. What's left? Faith Covenant Church, brothers and sisters, we will go into eternity at death. And what will remain will be our spirit and our redeemed hearts. Now, I do have to make a quick side note as I close. The body will be reunited when Christ returns. This body will be restored and come to meet us. But until that time, until the time that you, the number of days that you have to live, because we are not home, the focus of God's work is so that that light and the work of the Spirit within us is what gets brighter and brighter. Do your best to fill the cracks with putty, do your best to be usable by God until the day that he takes you home. Do your best and press on. Do your best, brothers and sisters, to do this with one another, helping one another mature in this way. But the thing that's going to help us is the Spirit's work within us so that we do not lose heart. Let me pray. Father, take these words remove what was in the way, use your word, spirit, in the way that you do, encourage this family of believers as they um, examine, as they ask questions about, as they pay attention to what you're doing, Lord, in their suffering and in their difficulty, and it's not to preserve the clay pot, but it's to strengthen the spirit and your work within their spirits. Until such time, as you decide, and and, and as only you do, when we get to go home and be with you. May you bless them and keep them. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.